Welcome to The Money Huddle, a podcast that explores financial topics for families and small business owners. Hosted by Michael Baker and Ross Marinell. All opinions expressed by Michael and Ross or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and may not reflect the opinions of Planners Alliance. The podcast recording is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Planners Alliance may maintain positions and securities discussed on the program. Welcome to the Money Huddle. My name is Michael Baker, and I'm here with Ross Marinell. Ross? It's beautiful today. I'm doing awesome. How are you, man? It's amazing outside. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, we live in um, South Carolina, which escaped a good portion of the polar vortex that much of the country was experiencing last week. But uh, it did get down here into like the teens, so it got pretty cold. But today... It is 70 and sunny outside. It is. Play outside day. But it, we're inside working. It is, we are. We are actually inside uh, in our studio, but we have a nice window so we can look outside and see how gorgeous it is. So um, it, what, a better, what better day than today to come in here and, and uh, kick off the real work and do some podcasts. Absolutely. Glad to be here. And so, all right, so something that's been in the news a lot lately. Something this, we've talked about. At multiple uh, intervals throughout the week, last week, absolutely. So uh, this this documentary on uh, on Netflix, the Fire Festival, has right, been, uh, all over social media network. People have probably checked it out by now. Do you remember? Do you remember um, when it was all coming out? When this was all going down? I vaguely remember yeah. the headlines and, and that this festival kind of. Yeah, like, me too. I I, I remember been. seeing like I remember seeing some of the promotions for it, and then I remember. Like it breaking in the news where uh, this was like not the paradise that everyone thought it was going to be. Yeah, it it didn't turn out the way uh, people had hoped. But man, did they make a good promo video? They they made an amazing promo video, and I think you know one of the things that we are starting to see is a. There's a couple couple of my takeaways. I it first of all, um, this full disclosure it did not totally interest me. It took me probably three to four days of just watching it random intervals to try to get through the documentary on Netflix. <laughs> I didn't sit down and like one take wonder that thing. Um, but I, I did try to get through it cause I wanted to kind of see how the story ended up. And well, a couple of things. One is, um, you know, how many people are willing to buy into just the idea of something like that? You know, you put, you put enough, uh, gloss and veneer on something and people, a people will pay, to go be a part of it because they're afraid of missing out. Right. And then on the back end, how many really smart people were footing the bill on just winging a prayer, you know, promises. Right. Investors getting duped and it's incredible. You're right. That fear of missing out comes back again, right? Yeah. This cool idea. It's a select number of reservations. Sure. You got to get in. And the price tag people were paying. It was like, insane. insane. Yeah. It, I mean, you know, I, I was, that was one of the things when they were, cause I never really knew. I mean, obviously, you know, you think, oh, a festival. Well, I mean, you know, they sold a bunch of tickets, you know, for a few hundred bucks, maybe a couple of VIP packages. They were selling packages that were like 50, a hundred. There was one package. I think it was like, you know, maybe a hundred thousand dollars, a couple hundred thousand dollars. And it was like, you're on a yacht. Like you get your own yacht. I mean, it was legitimately like crazy stuff like that. And they were, People were buying it. Hey, I'll tell you what. The main takeaway I had was how 
impactful these like Instagram influencers are. It's insane. And their reach is just incredible. Right. And I mean, basically, it's that, you know, that, that credibility of, hey, I'm going to this thing. Are you going to be there? And then people, you know, I mean, we, we won't name anybody. Um, but, you know, obviously some of the people that are extremely famous, millions of followers on Instagram and social media platforms, you know, they're getting paid lots and lots of money. And I think one of the, the, the outcomes that these people that were litigating against, you know, Billy McFarlane and these people that they were trying to sue was they wanted these, you know, folks to have to say, hey, I'm being paid. They wanted to be, you know, disclosing that this was a paid advertisement, whereas before you didn't really know. Right. You didn't know that they were getting paid like a hefty chunk of money to tweet out or, some, or put an Instagram post. sums of money yeah. uh, for, for one post or two. Uh, like, I, I really just love that water brand. I drink it all the time. <laughs> so so the fire festival got us got us fired up uh, to talk about. The, well, let's the, let's the, talk about the favorite line. Our favorite line. I, I don't know. It was mine from the whole documentary. Oh, it's because yeah. I asked you. I said, "How did Ja Rule? How did he not get busted for that?" And I remember that there was that scene in the. Um, in the in the when they were on the conference call and they this were saying like the post uh, yeah after it was all said right. and done you know the the lawsuits were being filed and the charges were being given and and they were saying uh, the word fraud came the up fraud and John rules like oh it's not fraud what he's he's it, uh, false, false advertising, advertising. <laughs> all right enough on fire festival people are probably <laughs> oh, sick of it, it but uh, it did it did kind of spark a little interest we we talk a little bit about our in our business fire. Has a little different meaning. Dif- why don't different you meaning. Uh, why don't you kind of break down what that means uh, in, in our world? Well, I mean, you know, I understand. First of all, I, I have to again plead somewhat ignorance because, um, you know, you have to kind of pick and choose what what you let your filter take in, and you know, so th- my understanding of the fire movement is this: uh, fire is uh, financially independent or retire early, or financial independence retire early group. Correct. And there's somebody that's kind of prompted that movement with a lot of younger folks. I think it's a lot of younger folks. Right. That are the ideas, you know, to basically live as frugally as you possibly can, amassing this um, a large amount of savings and then basically retiring early and living on that income. Right. Is that I right? I think it is a combination of aggressive saving okay taking advantage of all your tax deductible vehicles and are they are they using tax deductible vehicles they're well it depends who you read and okay. what you follow but I, I think it's a combination of uh managing their tax um savings while they're okay. working but then obviously you've got to have filter some money into after tax accounts if you want to be able to withdraw it yeah prematurely. uh but 59 it and like, a half is not too early I mean, it is really, but right. (laughs) But the goal is not not the goal to have a a substantial savings rate, an aggressive savings rate. And some of these people are are maybe in that 40, 50 percent of their income savings, which look, I think that's incredible. Um, It's a great a goal for for families to have. No question. And a lot of the uh, backbone of it is makes a lot of sense, which is don't spend or overspend on things like housing and vehicles and food which are the three main expenses right which is housing transportation and food and to try and mitigate a lot of those um, overindulgent expenses and we've talked about this before where you don't have to drive an eighty thousand dollar car 
a fifteen or twenty thousand dollar car will get you to point from point A to point B just as safely. Oh yeah, no question. So some of it is, I think, really well positioned for people to who are in a position to save that level of income to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's certainly something I, I think is you know financial professionals you encourage people to take advantage of every opportunity they can. So here's something though that I want to pose to you and okay. kind of get your feedback on and our listeners is a lot in some cases the ability to retire early and a lot of these folks are retiring in their 30s right uh, maybe 40s but that the goal is you know, for a lot of them is in their 30s to to save enough money to retire okay. and then if they choose to work and earn some income down the road then that that's fine but the goal is financial independence so that you can decide if you want to go back to work or not mm-hmm and it from reading a, a a number of these posts, they look educated on withdrawal rates and investment strategies. So there's some there's competence there, but here's here's the challenge I have with it, is a lot of these folks predicate their retirement budget on the fact that they don't have a, a much of a healthcare cost at all. No, and so think about a family. Afford. Well, are 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 these? Are, I mean, I'm I'm really truly somewhat ignorant. Are these people? Do they have families? Because when I hear when I hear the whole what this is, I I immediately I, I go right to this is some millennial nonsense. Like millennials, <laughs> I don't want to work. I don't want to be a slave to the corporate giants. So I am going to like save all my money as f- fast as I possibly can, and I'm going to live on like thirty grand. You know. So some yeah. of them, so obviously some people have, have families and they're managing um, right. an annual okay. budget of $40,000. Okay. And so if, if they're managing their housing, their homes paid off, have a modest home, then you, you can get there. Okay. The, the question is this. I can't even fathom, but okay. <laughs> if you don't qualify yeah. for an Affordable Care Act subsidy... The health insurance premiums, we know if you're paying for health insurance on your own, right. you know what that cost is. It's ridiculous. And my feeling is how are we good with someone who has saved $1 to $2 million by the time they're in their 30s? Right. Getting a substantial health care subsidy because they can manage their income to be mm-hmm. under the threshold where they don't where they can qualify for subsidy? Well, you know, I think I would answer that a couple different ways. Um, first is at face value, it, it feel it just feels wrong. It's like, wait a minute, you know, the whole point of the ACA subsidy was to help people that didn't make enough money who truly, you know, it. who truly needed the subs. They needed the help, you know, to help subsidize that cost. Uh, but like anything, right? We know. I mean, we work within the tax code all the time, so we know. Hey, if there's a rule that can be exploited, human nature is is if it's if it's legal, like tax avoidance is legal, right? Tax evasion is what's illegal, but avoidance is is so. That's how I look at it. Is that you know, the other thing I look at is you know where I come down on it is like, look, the whole point is not for you to. Um, not ever work again and just live off government subsidies. I mean, that to me is, 
that to me is like not what the system's for. It's like it's to help people that really need the help. But if you if you could go work and earn money and you know pay your way or pay more than you know a completely free you know subsidy you know subsidized plan, that was the intent. Can I put some context around? Go for this? it, man. All right. Because this is you know you're holding back on me. I know, I I know you're more passionate than listen, you're really showing right I, now. I'm not gonna lie, my feathers were ruffled. Ruffled. Going through some of these because. Folks, folks, let's let's not get it twisted. This boy was worked up. I was he was worked, worked up. up about this. And I think it's cool that people can save. Like that's what, I don't want to knock the the movement. Right. Right. I think if you have a strong job, you can save one or two million dollars in your by you know your thirties. Right. More power to you. I think that's pretty awesome. Right. But at the same time, I also don't know that it's fair or in the spirit of our healthcare system. For someone who has a, a one or two or three million dollar net worth to essentially give free health care. Right. It, there's a cost associated with that. So here's let sure. me just give you a little breakdown. Okay. All right. Break it down. So the first scenario I did, I took a family of four. So uh two adults in their forties, okay. two children below age ten. And I said if they had a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar adjusted gross income, because obviously if you're gonna save one to two million dollars right. by your thirties, you're probably making a pretty substantial amount of income. So the estimated, so this is what came back. So I selected a, this is a Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina plan, Blue Essentials Silver 14, just to be okay. clear. Okay? And this so is right, off the, plan, right off the right website. Off yep, right off right the website. Right off the government website. Okay. The estimated monthly premium was $2,044. $2,000. per month. No subsidy. No subsidy. What was the deductible? The... Family total deductible was $13,300, and the total out-of-pocket out maximum, so individual was $7,150, family was $14,300. So oh, wow. you're basically paying about $24,000 a year in premium, oh, and you have a maximum out-of-pocket beyond that of $14,300. you with me so far? So far. Okay. Sounds now, painful. I kept the same family dynamics. Right. And I just changed the income to $50,000. Okay. Okay, which, remember, if we're going to try and, and fire and retire early, financially independent. Sure. We're going, the goal is to try and manage your expenses mm -hmm. some, right? You still want to have fun. But basically, you want to cut out a lot of the unnecessary costs and try and like keep kids, your income. Cut out the kids hey, because kids know. are freaking expensive. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm totally teasing. <laughs> um, all right. So I went back and I re-ran it for a 50000 income. Okay. Now the estimated monthly premium on this policy was thirteen hundred and sixteen dollars. Okay, but the estimated monthly out of pocket because because you do qualify for a subsidy uh -huh. ended up being two hundred and sixty four dollars a month. So, so the premium was two hundred a month. Basically, with if you qualify for that subsidy, uh -huh. if you kept your income at fifty thousand dollars. Your estimated monthly premium would be $264.42. Now, I'm telling you this because I don't know if a lot of folks know that, that you could, it doesn't really matter what your net worth is. It, oh, the, no. The system it's is really, all income-based. It's all income-based. So modified adjusted gross income is right. what the subsidy is based on. So if you're savvy, if you're willing to play the game, you can amass a $1 to 2 to $3 million net worth. Right. And if you keep your income at those thresholds, you can you can get a pretty sizable subsidy. Oh now, yeah. Just think if you did that at age forty, for example, mm -hmm. well you got twenty five years till you sign up for Medicare. Right. So 
in theory, you could get 25 years worth of the subsidies over, you know. As long as they keep the subsidy. See, that's, see, that's where I think there's a big risk for these folks is, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's people in the office right now that aren't fans of this ACA bill. And, you know, that's one of the big, big, you know, disconnects right now in our country is, well, well, what are we going to do if we don't have this? Right. Right. And I, but I mean, just like anything else, I mean, it's a government given benefit. The government gives it, the government could take it away. I mean, you, you could have people that have said, Hey, I'm going to set everything up just so. I can qualify for this this subsidy, and then all of a sudden, subsidy overnight, you know, does not exist next year. And you, here you go, your health care plan is now going to be, you know, instead of two hundred dollars a month, it's going to be thirteen hundred a month. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, that would make you take a deep breath. I would it, think. It, well, think about the, you know, these these folks that are able to successfully manage. A annual budget of forty or fifty thousand dollars for their family, all power to them. It's right. wonderful, but a lot of that again is predicated on the fact that there's a substantial healthcare subsidy that's probably being earned. And right. I'm just saying, like, how are how do we feel about that? Well, are we okay with a, a two or three million dollars net worth, you know, person? So here, here managing that income. Here's kind of my take on it. So I look at it like this, like let's, let's, let's use this dynamic that you're talking about. Cause I mean, we're all, we all have opinions and, and this is mine. Um, you know, you have, let's say you have this uh, young couple that, you know, they, they're well educated or whatever, you know, they've invented something they've, they've made it, you know, they have where they make a ton of money and obviously they're, they're, you know, right to the front of the tax, the top of the tax code you know, with a strong income and then they start a family and they're like, look, man, you know, while our kids are young, we've, we've been able to save a ton of money. Why don't we take a couple of years off and, you know, throttle back while our kids are little, enjoy the time with them, you know, maybe do some part-time work, do some things to kind of keep the bills paid and use our savings and qualify for the right. subsidy and kind of, you know, kind of just go about it that way. You know what? I'm cool with that. I mean, I I, I am because I don't think their intent would be to do that forever. It's like, hey, well, our kids a little, but then you know what? Kids go back, go to school, they start school, and then you're like, well, it's time for me to go back to work because you know the kids aren't home all day. But where I struggle with it is where I see kind of the idea abused, where it's like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best, like dude voice, but hey, you know, I'm gonna save this money. And then I, you know, once I, I'm just going to live on dividends and interest and I'm never going to work again, man. And, and I think that's the idea that I don't like. Cause I'm like, Hey man, you could, if you, if you can go out and work and you're able bodied, you know, I think you should now, maybe you do this to try to find something you're passionate about. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're passionate about, you know, selling your art on the street. In Venice, California. Okay, and you, but you can't make, but maybe ten grand a year doing that. So <clears throat> maybe you need to spend a few years saving, saving, and saving, so then you can go sell your art for a year or two on the beach. I, I mean, I'm cool with that, but I think where the problem is, and I think where you're coming from is, we have created a system that's incentivizing people to just be um, 
freeloaders, so there, to speak. There are going to be circumstances where somebody needs that subsidy. Legitimately. Correct. They need it. And that's who it's for. And that's what it's for. And that's how it was sold to everybody. It sh- and that's how it should be followed through on too is there are so just it wasn't that long ago that we had a conversation about unplanned retirement right so folks that legitimately want to work three or four more years but for whatever reason a health reason or a a job change they have to retire life happened the affordable care act is a wonderful outlet for them because they know they will qualify for something sure right you cannot be disqualified so they will have health care and there is enormous benefit to people knowing that Correct. And if they qualify for health care subsidies because they literally have lost their job, then they will have right. the support to get through to Medicare. I think that's a prime example of how mm-hmm. the health care system can work correctly. And then on the flip side, I think about people who are able to work that have um, the potential to earn an income but just choose not to. And that's their choice. I don't fringe on – I think everybody should have an opportunity to live the life they want right? right. And, and do what they want. And if you're able to save that level of income and you can retire, I think that's great. But at the same time, I think you're dependent on a government subsidy. A, a, right. That it's cost. The cost comes out of the system. So and, I think I think that's the really the point. It's like you know, it's not that a subsidy exists. It's that how <clears throat> how it can be abused. How it can be abused, and then you know, the government. How's the government get its money? It either taxes people or it borrows it. One of the, there's are two ways, right? Right. And so, I mean, for me as a taxpayer, I mean, I pay taxes. So I'm like, um, I'm not really, I'm not really cool with that, with that, you know, with that way. And it's, again, I think it's, you know, one of those things where it goes back to, you know, if you go back to the very beginning of that legislative process, um, the way that the ACA was pushed through, you know, it was kind of hammered through. Christmas Eve, you know, straight down the line vote. But it was so rushed that a lot of these gaps and these holes in the legislation, things, you know, because it wasn't really a bipartisan effort, you know, they took what they could get, rammed it through. And I think that's why it's like now you're seeing like, oh, well, people figure things out. And I think that to me is the bigger story. Right. It's like so the, the more the government tries to like, push people into a corner, the more people are like, nope, so I'll figure here, that out. Here's the, the counter argument, right? Well, I mean, look at Amazon. They're about ready to get a massive subsidy from the state of New York. Well, should they <coughs> should they take that? This is one of the largest corporations in our, in our country. I get it, right? It's not, it, this happens everywhere. And yeah. I guess the point is, you know, what do we, what do we want it to, like, right. how do we want to use these programs? I mean, is that, they're not breaking the law. They're managing no. their income. They're being savvy about it. But here's what's crazy. So that subsidy, right? If you go over what you're allowed, you know, to qualify, I mean, you have to pay the whole thing back. That's right. It's nasty. Yeah. So, so if you mismanage it. So if you're listening and you do qualify for a subsidy, you know, don't inhe- go, don't go inheriting money or, <laughs> or anything like that. You know, there's there's some estate planning uh, stuff in there for all your family. Like, hey, don't don't leave me an IRA this year. True. On that note, I mean, know. you have to be very careful about what type of investments mm-hmm. you're using. If there is capital quote unquote, gains, fan, right? Capital gains distributions. If there's, you know, if you own a mutual fund that pushes out capital gains, right. and you you didn't even have to sell any positions. That's obviously a risk uh, for those people trying to reach the subsidies. Look, I know these. There, there's a lot about that financially independent retire right. early that I like and support. 
a well, lot of good um, savings I think philosophies to, to follow. It's just like, at what point do we just say, hey, look. I think where isn't. where they get it is, um, as you know, that philosophy or that mindset, you know, I don't want to judge it by its abuse. And I think that's what we see a lot of. You know, I think the, the idea behind it, my, my, my take on it, if you were just to kind of explain it to me, what I would hope that it was, was like, hey, look, there's a lot of people that work in corporate jobs that aren't happy. They're not fulfilled with what they do, but they make a lot of money and they struggle with, well, gosh, you know, I, I really shouldn't, I shouldn't feel the way I feel because um, I'm very fortunate. You know, I have this great job. I make a lot of money. You know, I have good benefits. And, you know, I think some people are just like, nope, that's not for me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to save half of my income for the next, you know, period of years. And then I'm going to retire and do something that I really want to do, but I can't come close to making the income. And I'm going to use this, my savings to supplement. So I think of that financially independent, like, hey, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in the corporate, you know, wheel anymore on the treadmill and I'm doing something that I want to do. I think the idea of I'm going to save all this money so I don't ever have to work again and you're 30 years old or 40 years old to me, I think that's kind of foolish. Well, that's my, that's my take on it, you know, and maybe, but I, know, I come from a working family, so it's hard for I'm me to wrap my head around it. Southern too. working um, family, man. <laughs> I know I'm with you. I'm torn about it too. It's, yeah. it's not something that I could probably do very easily. Now, look, I would have no problem finding things to occupy my time. Like I'm, you know, there's yeah. hobbies I could do. And, and look, I don't begrudge these, the, yeah. the people that are able to do it. It's just when, or take a couple years off, take a couple <laughs> years off and, and travel and do some cool stuff. And then, and then come back and like, go grind it out for another couple of years. To me, I look at it like this. If, if you can save, you know, I mean, if you can save a million to $2 million by your mid thirties, you know, early forties, you're a champion saver. Like, why would you cut that off? Like get, you know. I mean, why would you want to cut that down? I mean, the only thing it sounds to me is like you're really grinding your gears to try to save that money. Right, and I'm sure everybody's circumstances that have pushed them in there are different, and there's motivating factors along whatever's still left on their bucket list to do. And um, So it's wild. It's out there. It's worth reading some of those blogs just to grab the the little good nuggets that are out there. That's the fire movement. Um, So – Go out there, check out some of those people. Give us some feedback. I'm curious to know if anybody's out there doing it. Yeah, if if you're if you're out there and you're actually doing this, if you're part of the fire movement, uh, give us drop us an drop us an email and let us know um, what's going on. We'd love to love to chat with you, hear hear about what your plans are, and see how it's going for you. Um, as always, thanks for tuning in, listening to us. Um, this is the Money Huddle. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, and we'll talk to you next time.